Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Yeah, Reach. Who's been singing that on their head since I put that up? Is it Steps Rest Club Set? Was it Steps Rest Club Seven? Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah the S Club Seven fan club is in this morning over there. Why don't we start by reaching? Come on, let's have a bit of a stretch. Okay, stretch up as high as you can. Now, what you probably find is now you can probably stretch a little bit higher. Yeah, and maybe a little bit more. Yeah, and one more time. Oh, that's good. Okay, great. That's, is that on the video? Perfect. Okay. I can slice that. We've called this series Reach because the kingdom of God is always expanding, always reaching, always stretching, always getting bigger and larger and expanding and expanding. That's the, that's the way Jesus described it when he's on the earth. He used all these different metaphors to describe the kingdom of God is this thing that continually reaches and extends to touch the lives of more and more people in more and more places. The prophet Habakkuk, he prophesied uh, this over two and a half thousand years ago. He said this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And he used the uh, illustration of the massive expanse of the sea, how 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 it covers the majority of the globe, to describe the nature of God's kingdom, which is expanding to reach and touch more and more people, more and more lives. And he gave this impression that ultimately every part of the earth will be touched with the knowledge of God's love and God's forgiveness and God's grace. And that's the nature of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is reaching and reaching and touching more and more lives. And the reason you're here today it's probably because the kingdom of God reached to you. It reached to you in some form, through some person, in some way, maybe some message or some act, came to you and touched you, and the kingdom of God reached you and touched you and changed you. We're now part of that kingdom, that reaching kingdom. That's exciting, isn't it? The kingdom of God isn't static. It's not something that stops with you or I. It's not a (coughs) cul-de-sac. in our lives. It's continually expanding. And sometimes we look at the state of the earth and the state of the nations and the state of government and different things, and we can become disillusioned. But actually, when we look back to the truth of what Jesus talked about, we know underneath that and over that, God's kingdom is still reaching and touching and changing lives. And our plan in the next four weeks is just to really dig into this and explore this a little bit more and how we become part of that reaching kingdom. But before we get into the talk today, I want to encourage you with something that happened at wildfires uh, a few weeks ago. As you know, a few of us went to this festival. We camped. Well, some of us camped. Did we all camp or did some stay in hotels? We don't mention those people, do we? We don't mention those people. (laughs) Big festival, chance to get together and be encouraged to worship together, to, uh, to be inspired, spend time together. And on the last main session in the morning on the Thursday, a guy called John Scott went to the main stage and he began to give prophetic words for the church and for different churches. 
Now, John Scott's very well respected uh, in this field. He's been running some labs during the week, which some of our guys went to and were really encouraged by. And so, when we talk about prophetic words, we mean God has, by the Holy Spirit, encouraged someone to give a word to encourage somebody else or to encourage an organization or a church. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in, in his letter to the church in, in Corinth that one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So God uses people by his spirit to strengthen and encourage and comfort them prophetically. He can speak words into their lives. So if anyone gives you a prophetic word and he doesn't strengthen, encourage, or comfort you, you can bin it because it doesn't fall in line with actually the way the words should come through people to you. So, so John stood up on the stage and began to give prophetic words to encourage the church. Uh, and he started by giving me a general word about uh, he believed that God was breathing on the church, breathing fresh life on the church <laughs> post-COVID. He used the analogy of the dry bones in the scripture where Elijah saw this valley of dry bones and God breathed and brought the bones back to life. Elijah had this vision. And, um, and uh, he used that as basically a framework to encourage the church generally. And he, said he felt particularly post-COVID that God was going to breathe new life and new opportunities into the church. And then he began to give specific words for churches. He gave a, a really encouraging word to Gas Street, which is a large church in Birmingham. He gave a really encouraging word to Emmaus Road, which is a large church in Guildford. And he gave a really encouraging church to King's Cross Church, which is a large church in London. At this point, Keen, I have to admit, we're becoming slightly cynical. Because <laughs> we thought, oh, here we go, Premier League churches, big churches, <laughs> getting all the God words. You know, little old Riverside, you know, obviously God's forgotten about us, God doesn't care about us. And then this happened. For the guys called Riverside, I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're Vineyard or whatever. Um, is that you guys? Well, for the guys who are Riverside, there is a fresh... Jesus says, from within your inner being would flow streams or rivers of living water. And I see very streams of worship, of healing, of compassion, and the Lord opening new demographic people groups, not just geographical areas, but demographic people groups up to you that you've never considered before. Okay, so this was the word that, uh, that John Scott spoke. For the guys called Riverside, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I don't even know if you're a vineyard, which is quite humorous, or whatever. Is that you guys? Well, for the guys who are Riverside, there's a fresh, Jesus says, from within your inner being would flow streams or rivers of living water. And I see various streams of worship, of healing, of compassion, and the Lord opening new demographic people groups not just geographical areas, but demographic people groups up to you that you've never considered before. And we were just, amen. amen. And we were just, well, we were, we were severely humbled. <laughs> and repentant. We felt so encouraged and affirmed that God has spoken to us in this way and, and still saw us and recognized us because... Some of the journey we've been on with our All One series, we can feel like we've put ourselves out there a little bit, becoming a fully affirming church, and you can feel like you've put yourself out a little bit in terms of the church, the wider church community, and maybe traditional church community. And then to have God speak that word through John, it was a bit like receiving a prophetic word from somebody who hadn't a clue who we were, which was lovely. Because John knows the guys at Guildford, he knows the guys at Gastry, he knows the guys at KXC, he doesn't know us. He doesn't know us at all. He's never met us. But to speak that word from the main stage for us so encouraged us. And I think we've already begun to see these streams beginning. We've felt fresh streams in worship, haven't we? This sense of God increasing. We've seen our compassion ministries grow and develop these fresh streams. 
We're hungry for healing, to start fresh streams of healing, to start in our midst. We want to continue to pray for healing, physical, emotional, spiritual healing. So I'd love us this morning to stand and pray briefly into this word. Will you do that with me? Let's stand and let's, <laughs> let's, let's pray into this word because God's opening up these new areas to us, new demographic groups. We've already begun to see new demographic groups opening up to us. People will want to see more and more people touched and lives changed. So we're thinking about maybe that reach of God, extending and expanding. So maybe you want to reach up this morning. Maybe you want to reach up and, and symbolically represent you're reaching for more in God. You want to see more of this come to pass in our church. So Lord, we really thank you for this word. We thank you for all the kingdom potential that we feel that's within it. We sense your presence brooding in us, over us, God. And we pray for all the people groups that you want us to reach. Young and old, God, near and far, every ethnos, God, every expression of humanity, God, that you want to touch, God, through us, through Riverside, God. We pray for these streams to bubble up, God, and to overflow and to touch different areas, different geographies, different people, different groups, God. God, let us not be limited in any way, God. God, we just pray for this word to come to fruition and fullness in our midst, in our day. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Please take your seats. <coughs> yeah, so we we're just so encouraged by this. So I emailed the guys and asked if they'd send it through. And I was so pleased to be able to get that, um, that audio. So, um, so, yeah, back to our Reach series. Jesus used lots of metaphors to describe this reaching nature of the kingdom. In Luke's Gospel, he said this on the screens. They said, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the whole dough. Now, I don't make bread. Anybody make bread here? A couple of people. I think kneading is quite hard work, isn't it? Kneading that yeast through the dough. Well, this woman, in Jesus' illustration, she she mixed yeast through about 60 pounds of dough. That's 27 kilos of flour, which is more than probably your luggage allowance on most long-haul flights. She took a, a lot of dough... And she mixed this yeast through it. <coughs> Why did Jesus use such big numbers, just, just, just such big numbers to describe the kingdom? Because he wanted to talk about that invasive and extensive way the kingdom works through things. A massive amount of flour and a little bit of yeast representing the kingdom, and it works through the whole batch. The whole 60 pounds of flour is touched and changed by the yeast. The kingdom of God is this, is this small invasive thing that goes into things and begins to change and transform them. It's a little bit of something that makes a massive difference. We talked about this extensive and invasive nature of the kingdom back in our All One series a few months ago. We talked about the, uh, the example that Jesus used of the mustard plant. The mustard plant that gets into the garden and begins to invade and extend and <coughs> and basically overrun the garden. And we talked about how the Jewish people listening to that would have been quite upset that their well-ordered gardens were being taken over by this invasive plant, this mustard seed that normally was planted out in a field because it grew so voraciously. And Jesus uses all these different illustrations to describe how the kingdom is always reaching, going further and wider, invading and extending all the time. And I said before, the kingdom reached out and it touched you and it touched me. And we get drawn in then 
into being part of this reaching nature of the kingdom. When the kingdom reaches out to us and we respond to Jesus, we respond to the kingdom message, the gospel message, then we get drawn into the reaching nature of the kingdom. You become part of God's reach. God has extended his reach by touching you. His reach has grown because you have chosen to follow Jesus. And Jesus then wants to use you to continue to extend his reach, to continue to extend the kingdom. The kingdom just keeps on growing, keeps on extending. And that's how the gospel has spread over the whole earth from just a handful of people some 2,000 years ago. A handful of people touched by the life of Jesus, that yeast has grown and touched virtually the whole earth with the gospel message. Many of you are familiar with the term evangelical. Yeah, Riverside used to be called Tankerton Evangelical Church. Now, regrettably, this word now, when you hear it, often is synonymous with kind of right-wing politics or sort of extreme <coughs> Christian views. But the word never originated from that meaning. The word evangel, from which we get the word evangelical, is the word used to describe the good news of God. The evangel is the good news of God that Jesus carried. In Matthew's Gospel, it says, it says this. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news, the evangel, of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So evangelicals were originally people who recognized they carried the good news of Jesus. That's what an evangelical is, someone who carries the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus' love, the good news of Jesus' teaching. That's what an evangelical did. Unfortunately, now, if you describe yourself as an evangelical, you might automatically be assumed to hold certain extreme or traditional views. People might assume you are fundamental in your beliefs or right-wing in your politics if you describe yourself as an evangelical. But if we want to recapture what it means to be evangelical, it would mean that you and I are actually good news people. We're good news people. There's not a lot of good news around, is there? If you open a paper, you don't get a lot of good news. But an evangelical is a good news person. You're a good news person if you describe yourself as an evangelical. But what is this good news and how do we reach people with it? How does this yeast of the kingdom get worked through people's lives? That's what we're going to begin to explore over these next four weeks. But let's start looking at what actually is the good news. The first four books in the New Testament part of your Bible are called what? The Gospels. Why are they called the Gospels? Well, the word gospel comes from two Old English words which have been put together. The first word, God, is not God, as you know it, small g. It actually means good, and the spell, gospel, is news or story. So the first four books of your Bible are good news stories. That's why they're called gospels. So the first four books in your Bible are the accounts from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these first-hand accounts from people who are around Jesus, and they saw 
that Jesus was a good news person. What he was saying was good and had a positive effect on people's lives. So they took their first-hand accounts and they were written down and they became the Gospels, the first four books in your Bible, the first in the New Testament, in the New Testament part of your Bible. So these good news stories got put together, four different perspectives from four different people on the good news of Jesus. This is the Gospel, and that's why the first four books are called the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all hung around Jesus, they heard about Jesus, and they decided this was a good news story and needed to be written down and recorded so other people could hear about it. So when we think about people who carry and read the Gospels and try and communicate the Gospels, in light of this, the first thing we need to remember is that we're trying to reach people and explain the Gospel to them, we need to communicate good news, don't we? Yes? Because it's good news. (laughs) We're good news carriers. We need to communicate good news. If the way you're telling someone about God is not coming across as good news, then you might need to reframe how you're telling someone about God. You probably need to rethink about how you're communicating with that person. One of the core vision values of our church, Riverside, is we want to be good for everyone. We said that many, many times. We want to be good for everyone. And primarily, this is because we believe that we are part of God's good news story. So if we're part of good news, God's good news story, we want to be good for people when we encounter them. Now, we can put that on our website. We can put that on our flyers. We can put that anywhere we want. We can paint it on the wall. But if we are not good news people, then it doesn't matter where we put it, does it? It doesn't matter if it's on our website, on our flyers, on our wall. If when someone meets me, they don't encounter good news, then it doesn't matter where I've written it if I'm not living it. If I'm not a good news story to someone, it becomes irrelevant to them. The bottom, is, bottom line, guys, we can't say we're good news people if we behave like bad news. You can't say you carry good news if you act like bad news. Now, unfortunately, many Christians I've encountered are just bad news. <laughs> bad news in their attitudes, bad news in the way they treat people, bad news in their judgments, bad news when they drive their cars. Just, <laughs> they're bad news. Nicky Gumbel tells a story on one of his Alpha videos about how he gets offended with a, a taxi driver <laughs> on his bike and he's banging on the roof of the taxi driver's car and he's chasing after him, wanting to give him a piece of his mind. And he, and he pulls alongside, and, and he recognises the guy driving the taxi was on one of his alpha courses. <laughs> and the taxi driver says, Nicky, you can't behave that way. And he's like, oh. We can't say we carry the good news if we act like the bad news. We can't behave as bad news people. And that's why if the gospel is going to be good news for someone, it has to start by being good news for you. It has to start by being good news for you. The yeast of the gospel has to start by being good news for you and bringing transformation in your life. I think one of the most miraculous things about the gospel, it can take a bad news person like me and turn me into a good news person for somebody else. (coughs) That's one of the most powerful things the gospel does. It takes our selfish nature, our bad attitudes, the way we treat people, and it transforms by the power of the Spirit so we can be good news to somebody else. 
That yeast of the kingdom needs to work through your life to make you a good news person. Unfortunately, many Christians don't get this. They think that the gospel is just information. It's just information to be conveyed. And so they convey that information without allowing the gospel to bring about the transformation to make them embody good news in who they are. So when they interact with someone, they are actually being good news to that person. When someone bumps into your life, what spills out? What spills out of you when someone bumps into you? (coughs) What's inside spills out? Now, if you've allowed the good news of the gospel to work through your life, hopefully some good news will bump out of you, flow out of you. Even if you're being inconvenienced or you're being, you know, whatever, that's what will flow out of you. If you've not allowed that transforming process to happen, then what will flow out of you will be bad news to the person that's bumped into you. Because Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, that's what people get from you. That's what they get from you. So when you're in control and you're calm and you're everything, you can say all the right words. When someone bumps into you, what comes out is what's really inside. So the good news of the gospel has to work through us and change and transform us. So when we counter people and brush against people, then what comes out of us is good news, whether we thought about it or planned it or not. It's much easier to tell people about the good news of Jesus when you are acting like good news. It's really tough to tell people about how God changes people's (laughs) lives when you're acting like bad news to someone. God's had this massive effect on my life. I'm so calm and patient now. I've got this grace flowing through me. Put it another way, you can't serve what you're not cooking. You can try. You can pretend. If you go to someone's house and they invite you over, isn't it lovely to have a home-cooked meal? You know, someone's taken the time to, to plan and to cook that food for you and you feel valued and loved and, and accepted. And... Now imagine going to my house and I invite you over for a meal and I throw two microwave frozen meals on the counter and say, hang on a minute, just going to get these in the microwave for you. <laughs> you wouldn't feel valued at all, would you? You'd feel short-changed. You'd probably think, well, I don't think he even wants me to be here. He hasn't taken any time to prepare. You can't serve what you're not cooking. And so it's really hard to tell people about the good news of Jesus if you're not cooking that on the inside, if you're not doing that home cooking, allowing the gospel to change you so what comes out of you is good, is good. The apostle Peter says this, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. This is really interesting, isn't it? Make every effort. Effort to add to your faith goodness and then to goodness knowledge. Most Christians begin by adding to their faith knowledge. They think the answer to becoming a better Christian is to learn more and to know more. So they add to their faith knowledge. They want to know what's right and they want to know what's wrong. And they want to be able to tell people what's right and what's wrong. But actually, Peter says, start by adding to your faith goodness. Let the gospel of goodness begin to work in your life and make you a better person, make the goodness in you grow. 
And then the, from that foundation, begin to add knowledge. Let your knowledge, what you know, come from a foundation of goodness. Goodness comes first with faith. Because the gospel, yeast, has to work through the dough of our lives to bring about transformation. So we become the evangel. We become the good news to the people around us. The gospel isn't about standing on a moral podium and saying to people, you need to be up here with me. The power of the gospel is when it transforms and changes us and makes us into the good news people. And this is the primary work of the gospel in your life, is to change you. So when people encounter you, they encounter the good news. And how does this good news get get communicated? How does this goodness in us get transmitted to the people around us? Well, Jesus gave us a really simple and yet incredibly profound golden rule. He took the entire Old Testament and all the wisdom teachings and the prophetic teachings and he distilled and rendered them down into one sentence. Anybody know what it is? In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Utter genius by Jesus. If you wanted anything convincing that he really was the son of God, it's right here in this sentence. Utter genius by Jesus. He takes the way we'd all like to be treated, and he says, why don't you turn that outwards and use that as the benchmark and the standard to treat the people around you? So in everything, and that word means everything, not just something, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Take your standards that you want for yourself and begin to apply them to the people around you. Now we become so familiar with this phrase, it's passe to us. But the power of it is incredible. We've said before that a life without Jesus, people tend to turn inward upon themselves. Sin is really selfish. It turns lives inward, away from God, away from people, into the self. But Jesus says, why don't you take your desire to be loved, to be accepted, to be valued, to be heard, take that desire and turn it outward. And use that as a way to treat the people around you. So, If you want to be listened to, start listening to people. If you want to be respected, start respecting people. If you want to be treated kindly and patiently, start treating people with patience and kindness. If you want not to be judged, stop judging people. And you can add to that list as many things as you want to, because in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. So I want to pause for a moment now and think, there's something I would love people to do to me or for me. Just capture that thought in your mind. I would love this. I would love people to treat me this way. Have you got that? Now that is your benchmark for how you're going to treat people this week. Whatever you've captured in your mind, that thought, I want to be respected, I want to be heard, I want to be, whatever it is, take that And that becomes the benchmark for how you're going to treat people around you this week. Because in everything, 
The rule is always the same. Do to others what you would love them to do to you. And this is all part of the dethroning nature of the gospel, of the kingdom of God. When we said before, when we first come to Jesus, when we receive the gospel, we begin by dethroning ourselves. We say, Lord, I recognize that you're better at running my life than I am. So I'm going to give you that steering wheel back. I'm going to get off the throne of my life. I'm going to invite you onto the throne of my life. And I'm going to submit to you and follow you and try and learn from you. I'm going to take your yoke upon me. So we dethrone ourselves. That's the first part of the gospel as we receive it. The second part is that we continue to dethrone ourselves because we say, actually, I'm now going to treat the people around me as I want to be treated. My life is going to be turned outward towards other people. And I begin to treat them as I want to be treated. I'm going to dethrone myself again and I'm going to treat others as I want to be treated. And guess what happens? As you begin to treat people as you want to be treated, they start treating you back. The reach of the kingdom continues, extrapolates, expands, <coughs> because you become part of that, that upside-down nature that Jesus talked about, the inversion of the selfishness, the inversion of sin. You become part of the kingdom message. This is why the gospel is good news. Not because you're trying to convince people that Jesus was a real person, and he really lived, and he really died, and he really rose again. The power of the gospel is because it changes people's lives into good news people. And they start acting differently. This is why the gospel was so powerful all those years ago. The Romans looked on and couldn't figure out why these mad Christians were doing what they were doing. Why they, were they living so counterculturally? Why were, they, why were they treating their enemies so well? Why were they reaching out to people and touching people they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't, they couldn't understand the yeast of the gospel, the yeast of the kingdom was at work in these people's lives. So the good news that you carry and the good news of the gospel is that God gets inside of us and changes us and turns our lives from being inward to outward. Upward towards God, outward towards others. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how we communicate this gospel message, how we communicate the good news of Jesus. But today, I just want to, read to, to close by thinking about what it is to be a good news person. You might tie yourself in knots thinking about, how do I tell someone about Jesus? How do I communicate the gospel? How do I explain the cross? How do I, Jesus died and he rose again, there was blood. And, oh, how, do I, how do I tell all that stuff to someone? It, it just sounds so complicated. We start by being the good news to those around us. Because people are watching you. They're looking at you. They're looking at the way you act, what you say, how you react. And this doesn't mean to say you have to be perfect. You're not trying to be a perfect, pious person. Honesty is wonderful. Apology is great. <laughs> Asking for forgiveness is wonderful. Highlighting your faults, being authentic. But we start by allowing the good news, the gospel, to, to work through our lives and change us into good news people. So if you want to think of yourself as an evangelical Christian, let's recapture what those words mean, what that phrase means. The evangel, the good news story. To be an evangelical Christian is to be a good news story person. 
In the past, news used to get carried, didn't it, from town to town. People were often waiting for the latest news, particularly in the, in the Midwest in America, news would be taken from town to town by different people. And we carry a message from town to town, from person to person, and that message we carry is the good news of Jesus. And we're so excited about it because it's changed us. It's transformed us. The yeast has gone inside us and made us into good news people. But in the past, being an evangelical Christian meant more about knowing what was right and what was wrong. And we focused in, didn't we, on the right things and the wrong things. We were very good at knowing what was right and what was wrong. We were very good at telling people what was right and what was wrong. We had our lines, we had our bearings, all very black and white. But actually, life is more complicated and more nuanced than that. And so is humanity. And in the past, we focused, I think, on more about what's being right rather than focusing on what is actually being loving. The gospel is all about the good news of Jesus' love. Story after story after story. You had three weeks on the grace of God, the unmerited favour of God. Not based on what you've done, not based on whether you're right or wrong, but because God is extending his love to you through the gospel. So in the past, it was your job as an evangelical to put people straight, to tell them where they were right and to tell them where they were wrong. But I would say to you, your job as someone who carries the evangel is to be good news to the people around you. It's to demonstrate the power of the kingdom through the way you live differently, the way you act differently. You serve and you love and you treat others as you would like to be treated. If you're right, why don't you stand with me in the last few minutes? We're just going <coughs> to just allow the Lord to just, just to press that into our spirits. We want to be people that add goodness to our faith. Goodness to our faith. Become good news people. Someone once said that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And if you can primarily begin by being a good news person, any knowledge that you want to give somebody can flow from that goodness, from that good position. So Lord, you help us become good news. Not just speak good news, God, would you help us to become good news? We want to receive more of the working of the yeast of your gospel through our lives. This isn't about just trying to be better, God. We want to receive the power of your spirit into our lives to work through us, God, to change and transform us. We know where, we, we know where our faults are, God. We know where we're inconsistent. We know where our, the things that press us, the buttons that wind us up, God. We, we're all fully aware of those things in our lives, God. And we want to bring those things to you today and say, God, we want more of the yeast of your kingdom to work through our lives so that we, we become evangelicals. We become good news people. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. 
Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.